I gotta be honest, I'm digging the glasses, the frames. I'm, I'm gonna have to tell Daisy to get me some. Um, non-prescription, I may, I may, my eyes might go crazy if I get them prescriptive. But church, it's so great to be here with you guys. Um, I may get a little excited because I haven't, I haven't been able to preach in, in English in a while, and I haven't been able to be here with you guys in a while. And so just to let you know, things are going phenomenal with our Spanish ministry. For those of you who don't know, um, for those of you who don't know me, if you're new, my name is Adrian Castillo. I, I was an associate pastor here for uh, several years, and just this past year, November, I transitioned into uh, being the pastor of Grace in Español, uh, which is our Spanish-speaking congregation. So uh, it, it's really nice to be here with you guys and to be a part of this closing of the series um, with you guys. And so when, uh, when Pastor Eddie asked me, he said, hey, man, can you, uh, can you do... Uh, English on the 27th. I was just jumping for joy. I was like, yes, 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 yes. I miss, I miss them. I want to I be a part of it. So um, I'm excited to be here. If I get a little excited, just excuse me. You know, just, just say, oh, he hasn't been here in a while. You know, you know just, just, just excuse me a little bit. But So we're going to jump into 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And, um, and really, we're closing a series. This has been an amazing series. If you've been tracking with us, it's been really cool because the very first thing that we saw was that Paul was acknowledging and affirming the church in Thessalonica for being uh, a, great, um, a great mouthpiece of the gospel while at the same time being a great example of the gospel. And, and, and I was encouraged by that. I thought to myself, and, and, and I know that many of us thought in here, wow, what, what if Laredo one day could say that about grace? What if one day our community could say that, that not only do they teach a gospel, but they must truly believe it because they live it? There is no area void in their life of the gospel and the transformation of the gospel at Grace Bible Church. And so as, as we were studying that, that really set, uh, made an impression on my heart and in my mind, and I hope it did on yours too, because if it was possible for the church in Thessalonica to live that way, guess what, church? It's possible for us to live that way, right? And, and if that's not something that excites you, then I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm, oh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to say. That excites me. That really does. And if you're at home, that excites me about the possibilities of you at home with your community. And hopefully one day really soon you can join us here in person, but you can still be living the gospel out there at home and in your communities as you're working and serving. And so Paul takes them through this journey. He says, he takes them through the call to sanctification. And we know that we are going to continue to grow. He says, even though the surrounding world says you're an amazing church, there's still room for growth. I've heard some things, so let me address them. And he begins to address some sinful areas in the church and, their, and, the, and in their community and lives. And then he gets to a point and he says, let me address some of your fears. Let me address some of the issues you might have. You know, you've been probably asking what happens to those who have passed away before us, those who are believers. Well, let me explain to you, they're alive with Christ. And he gives them hope. And he says, and one day the church will be united with them in the clouds as we are, are, are taken by Christ Jesus to be with him. And then the next chapter, he gives us this awesome picture of the triumphal return of Christ Jesus and the second coming, the second advent, when he comes with all judgment, when he comes with all power to establish his millennial reign. And that's where we are today. 
Now we get to chapter 5, or we continue in chapter 5 and verse 12, and, and Paul begins to close this letter. And as is custom for Paul when he's closing a letter, he gets to uh, the, 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 the end, he'll get to the ending of chapter 5 here, and you'll notice there'll be a little bit of, a little bit of a transition point. I'm going to let you guys guess where that is. And Paul says, hey, 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 I know you're writing everything I'm telling you, but this is important. Give me that pen. Let me finish this letter. And he finishes out the letter. And really what this is, is it's really a call for us to be the gospel church. To be the gospel church. So let's all stand. Let's all stand. We're going to read the word of God together. This is something we used to do when I was younger. And uh, something I've kind of gotten back into the groove of in our Spanish congregation. So I was hoping that you guys would join me with this. As we stand for the reading of the word of God, we'll be reading out of chapter 5. Verse 12 to 28, if you have a Bible, I prefer you would be able to read it out of Scripture so you could, uh, you could test everything that we read and say. And if you don't, you can read it on your phone or in this projector behind me. And here's what he says. He says, we ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you uh, in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers, to admonish the idle. Encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything, hold fast what is good, abstain from every form of evil. Now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful and will surely do it. Brothers, pray for us. Greet all the brothers with the holy kiss. Here's where that transition happens. Paul says, hey, 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 give me the pen. I put you under oath before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. You may take your seat. It's very interesting that Paul would, or fitting, might I say, that Paul is closing his letter this way. Why? Because in chapter 1 of 1 Thessalonians, Paul opens, and in verse 4 he says, For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power. It's very, it's, it's very fitting that he closes the idea of this letter and the idea of the church by teaching them how to live within the church, by living the gospel out in the church. Why? Because if we're following the book of 1 Thessalonians, here's what we can say. It is the gospel that initiates the church through the life change of people, and it is the gospel that carries the church through transformation for the remainder of our life and time here on earth. The gospel never disappears at any point of our life. Without the gospel, there is no church. And without the gospel, there is no transformation. There's no continued growth. There's no continued walk. It is what it is. But Paul is saying that one, through the gospel, he knows for sure two things. In chapter one, he says, you've been chosen by God and you are beloved. You are loved of God. 
So Grace, let me tell you something. We're sitting here together as a body, and you're sitting here at 11 o'clock, and you did, had no idea that I was going to say this today, but let me tell you something. You're chosen of God, and you're beloved. How do I know that? Because you're here right now. Because this is a church. This is a body. This is a local body that God has brought in together for his purpose and for his will. And here at Grace Bible Church, the only vision and mission we have is the gospel. This isn't about anyone else's kingdom, but the kingdom of Christ Jesus that we seek to serve and we seek to toil for for the rest of our lives. But he says, you are chosen and beloved. And because you are that, know that you have been brought into a family. You have been brought into another family. And I know in, in, in our families, we hold each other closely here. I think that's one of the great things about Laredo is our culture, our family culture. The uniqueness of our city, of our town, of our culture is how close we hold our families together. But may I challenge you somewhere. If you've learned to hold your carnal family together so closely, how much more can we grow in holding our spiritual family together? Why? Because even a carnal family is temporal. But the family and the body of Christ, church, let me tell you, it's eternal. Turn to the person to the right and to the left and look around. If, if, if everyone sitting in here is a believer in Christ, we will all see each other in heaven. We will all see each other in heaven for eternity. And so let's hold each other closely. Let's live in this bond that is the church. And the very first place that Paul begins to establish this, this point is one that I'm not really comfortable sharing because I'm one of the pastors here. But he goes on to talk about the relationship between the church and the pastors and the leaders. And he says two things. He says, recognize them and respect your leaders. Recognize and respect your leaders. He says, hold them in high esteem. But I have to ask you the question. If you look at the text, what's the reason for holding them in high esteem? Is it because we're perfect? Is it because everything we say is right? I'll be the first one to tell you I'm wrong a lot, especially when it comes to the Cowboys. <laughs> Every year I say they're going to win the Super Bowl and I'm wrong. I'm wrong a lot, church. I know Eddie would be the first one and Tim would be the first one and I would be the first one to tell you I'm not perfect. I'm just as broken and sinful as you are. Completely grateful to God that he was able to oversee my sin and still love me and choose me to be his son. That's, that's who we are. So Paul doesn't make this high esteem about their perfection and how great they are. He makes it about their work and toil. Really, that's the word that's being used here. Their toil for you. Their toil for the body. Hold them in high esteem and love them because of their toil. And he ends this section with this. Keep the peace with them. You know, one of the most disappointing things about the Reformation and on in the Protestant area or era is that since the division of the Catholic Church and the Protestants, there have been more church splits, more divisions, and more denominations than we had ever seen before. I don't know if you know this, but ever since 1500, ever since the Great Reformation, which I believe that's when it was, I'm sorry, now we have over 40,000 different denominations. I didn't say churches. I said denominations. Why? Because more than likely, people haven't been able to keep the peace with their spiritual leaders. 
And if the church is that divided and the gospel is that divided, then is that really something the world would want to look at and say, oh, yeah, I want that. Oh, yeah, I believe that Jesus united them. Jesus' very prayer for the church, his, his priest, high priestly prayer was that we would be united so that the world would be able to know for sure without a shadow of a doubt that God the Father had sent him into this world and that we were one just as they were one. And if that were true, then why do we have so many different denominations, churches and divisions and splits? I'll tell you why, because of our brokenness, because we haven't been able to maintain our peace, because people have disregarded Paul's instructions to holding your pastors and your spiritual leaders in high esteem, your shepherds in high esteem with love. That's why this is so important. And now Paul begins to transition into the area of loving one another and living in one another. And I, I love this section because what this section says to me is that the ministry is not about us. The ministry is not the pastor's. And, and, and I think that sometimes we get the wrong impression and the wrong understanding that, that, that you guys are the spectators and these guys up here are the ones that do all the work. That's not true. According to Ephesians chapter 4, the, the job of a pastor, the job of a shepherd is to equip you for the ministry. Did you, did you get that? And so Paul, when he transitions here, he's not talking to, spirit, to shepherds and spiritual leaders. He's talking to you guys. He's talking to you guys. And watch what he says. He says, admonish those who are idle. Admonish those who are idle. Encourage the discouraged. Support the weak. Be patient with everyone. See that no one returns evil for evil. Always try to do good for each other. Think about that. Those instructions aren't for the pastors, church. That's for you guys. That's for you. This is an opportunity for you to live out the gospel in your own life with your brothers and sisters that God has surrounded you with here at Grace Bible Church and throughout the larger body of Christ. And he gives us some simple instructions. He says, admonish the idle. Anyone, can anyone think of why that is so important for Paul? Admonish the idle. What does idle mean? It means them, uh, those who do nothing, who are doing nothing, those who aren't working. And I don't know about you, but I read a Bible that tells me that he who does not eat does not, I mean, he who does not work does not eat. A lot of times we like to think of creation. We like to think that, well, humanity, we were meant to just chill, right? The younger generation would call it Cadillacking. We were just created to Cadillac. That's what the younger generation, okay, that's what I would say when I was younger, but I don't think they still say that anyway. They probably have some other words, some other ism for it. But the reason we think that is because we read the story of creation. We just think, man, the Garden of Eden was beautiful. Adam was there. Eve was there. It was amazing. They didn't even have to work. You can't imagine how many times I've heard that. But if you read the scriptures carefully, you will find that God had instructed Adam. He instructed Adam to cultivate the garden. Adam was already working. Guess what that tells me? We're created for work. So he who is able, he who can, should work. We're created for it. And he says, admonish them, that they're not just sitting around idle thinking, oh, uh, I'm waiting on, on, you know, this was coming off the tail end of the second coming. I'm waiting on the second coming of Christ. I'm waiting on the second coming of Christ. I'm like, okay, but what about Acts chapter 1, where they say, Jesus, is this a time at which you're going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And what does Jesus say? 
He says, the times and epics are not for you to know, but the Spirit of my Holy Spirit will be poured out upon you to, to empower you to be my witnesses throughout Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the rest of the world. What does that mean? What do you think that means? Work, being in action, doing, living, not just sitting around idle, not knowing what's going to happen, what's coming. I don't know about you, but most of the times when I'm sitting around idle, that's when I'm more tempted to sin. Have you thought about that? If you have a struggle with sin, find out how much idle time you have in your life and you might figure out the reason why. He says, encourage the discouraged. Support the weak. Again, this is not a call for the pastor to do these things. These are, this is a call for the church members to be those who are supporting the weak and being patient with everyone. Be patient with everyone. And I have to be honest, that's one of the things that I struggle the most with. I, I, I'm not always patient. I used to think I was a very patient person when I also used to think I wasn't prideful, <laughs> which made me, in turn, very prideful, right? But I used to think I was a very patient person. But the reality is I know I'm not. There are certain people that can really just test my patience. I'm just being honest. Okay, can I be honest with you guys? I'm just being honest, and I have to ask God, Lord, lead me and give me patience. Please let me lead with love and not with impatience. And the, tr the same is for you guys. Be patient with one another. Why? Why? Because every time I wake up, every day I wake up, guess who has to be patient with me? God himself and my wife. <laughs> Church, God is eternally patient with you and I then how could we ever turn around and be impatient with anyone else? Be patient. There are going to be people who aren't going to get it as fast as you get it. And that's okay. Be a brother who grabs your hand and leads them and walks with them and brings them along this journey and helps them learn and grow in their time. You know, what, why, you know another reason why I learned to be patient? Because I figured out that if God is the one doing the work in people's lives and I'm being impatient about their, their walk and how fast they're growing and how slow they're growing, guess who I'm really being impatient with? God himself. You ever think about that? He's the object of our impatience if we're not patient with others and their growth. And so he talks about this, and that's important for us to know because to live out the gospel in our lives means to be caring, to be loving, to be patient, to support the weak, to encourage them who are discouraged, encouraging others in the word of God and in the gospel in this walk with God. And so he brought us now, he, 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 he takes us from this relationship with our spiritual leaders, he takes us with the relationship with each other, and now he brings us to a relationship with God because now he wants to talk about our worship. And he says, uh, he talks about these things. He says, pray without ceasing, give thanks in everything. Pray without ceasing and give thanks in, in, in everything. And I know that those things aren't easy for us to do. And I know that those things are difficult. And I know it's hard not to always be joy rejoicing because he does say, be joyful, be joyful, rejoice always. So here's an issue. If I'm constantly in depression, if I'm constantly upset, if I'm constantly living within the difficulties of this life and I can't find a way to rejoice in God, then I'm living in sin because this is a command of God. 
And why is it a command? Because church, we have to come to a place that we can understand that your joy is not about your circumstances. Your joy is about the eternal blessings God has given you. Come what may come in this world. Nothing will ever change that you're the son of God and you're a daughter of God. Come what may come in this world. Nothing will ever separate you from his love is what Paul says. Nothing will take us away from his hand. Nothing. So we can live in a joy that's unceasing. And how is it that we can give thanks? Always. In everything. Because I know there's some of you right now, in this season, you have lost loved ones to COVID. And I know there are some of you right now who are going through difficulties because of everything that's going on in our current climate. And I know that you've come to a point where you're saying, God, I can't even give thanks because of everything that's happening around me. How can I thank God if if this person passed away? How can I thank God if I've lost my job? How can I thank God if I'm losing my house? How can I thank God if I've lost my marriage? Well, Scripture promises us and tells us in Romans Chapter 8, the Apostle Paul says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. That is, for those who are called according to his purpose. And we just established the church is called and chosen by God. You have been called and established for his purpose. So I can tell you that no matter what you go through, church, all things work together for good for those who love God. All things work together for good. You may be suffering the loss of a loved one. I want to tell you as someone who experienced that at young age, all things work together for those who love God. You may have lost your family, but all things work together for those who love God. You may have lost your job, but all things work together for those who love God. So it is possible to live in joy. It is possible to pray always, to pray without ceasing. However, this praying without ceasing doesn't mean we pray for eight hours straight in the day because then guess what we're forgetting to do? Work, right? I know some people, I've heard of some people who well, you know, I just get in my closet and I pray all day every day. When do you you go to work? Ah, God is gonna sustain me. Hmm, are we reading the same Bible? I'm not, I'm not sure. What, what prophet are you reading from? I, I don't know what's going on there. But what praying without ceasing means is that you can have an ongoing conversation with God throughout the day. And what is prayer? Prayer is, is continuing a conversation with God he initiated through his grace and continued through his word with him on a daily basis. He invites us to do that. I'm close with these things, some things he says here at the end. He says, after he gets into living joyfully in our worship, he says, and do not quench the spirit. Do not despise the prophecies and examine everything carefully. Retain the good and refrain from all forms of evil. Here's what happens. In these days, they didn't have the full revelation of the word of God. They were still dependent on the gift of prophecy for, uh, for, for, for the words, the prophetic words to come forth as God was speaking to his people. 
We, we are no longer in need of that. We have the whole scripture. We have the full revelation of God through this Bible, through this word. That's not to say God can't use a gift of prophecy ever, but what it does mean is that we're not in need of it because we believe that the word is sufficient for our lives, amen? Can we agree on that? God has given us the sufficiency of his word and the will of himself for our lives through his scripture. But how do we quench the spirit then? Well, we quench the spirit when we say no to this. We quench the spirit when we push away and we reject the very word of God for our lives. In, in a very simple, in a very simple term, a very simple definition, prophecy is expounding or speaking forth the word of God. So whenever someone speaks forth this word into your life, it is prophecy. And when we reject that, we quench the spirit. Why? Because the spirit is a fire and a lamp unto our feet. He's a fire within us that burns with passion and leads us to God, but he's also a lamp that leads our path every single day. So in the world of darkness we live in, we need a little bit of light to light our path. And the Holy Spirit does that through the very word of God. And when he does that through the very word of God, it causes us to grow in the gospel. It causes us to mature. It causes us to be able to live the way the gospel church is called to live. Not in perfection, but with complete love toward God and toward those who are around us. Amen? Refrain, retain what is good and refrain from all forms of evil. Church, when the Holy Spirit reveals to us the very word of God, guess what that does? It leads us back to worshiping God because of who he is and what he's done for us. And as we worship God, God transforms our hearts and it changes the way we live in community. It's possible. Even in the broken, messed up, divided community we live in, it is possible to live as the gospel church. So here's my point for today. And we'll pray and wrap this up. Because the church is loved and chosen by God, I will continue to live an evangelical life within it. You can even change that to say the gospel life. Because the church is loved and chosen by God, I will continue to live a gospel life within it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your kindness. We thank you that we could come together and learn. We could come together and focus on you. Father, I pray that you will transform our hearts through this, through this word and through this part of the text. Cause us to live a gospel life in our community. Change our hearts, Lord, and draw us to you. If there's anyone here who hasn't put their trust in Christ, let him do that today. We pray that in Jesus', in Jesus name. Amen.